0: Good evening everybody. Thank you. Welcome. So glad to have you guys here. Thanks for, thanks for being here at RUF tonight. I, um, I know that there's a lot of other places you could be and a lot of other ways you could be spending this hour of your week. So thank you so much for being here. It's a joy to to get to see you together and to worship with you. If, if I haven't met you yet, if you're new, I know there's a few new people here. My name is Louis Lovett. I'm the campus minister with RUF and it's a joy to get to hang with you, share with you. We are continuing the series that we're doing, the book of Colossians this semester, uh, which is centered around this idea that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is enough for us. In all the ways that we have longings and hopes and needs, Jesus is enough for us. In fact, he's the only one who's enough for us. And the thing that we're going to be talking about this evening is that Jesus is enough <laughs> for our story, All right, the story of you, of who you are in your life. Jesus is enough for your story. So with that in mind... I'm going to read from Colossians 1, 9 to 14. If you have your Bible, it's also printed on the back of your handout. So it'd be great if you could have that in front of you as I read, please. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, The forgiveness of sins. This is the word of God. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Pray with me and we'll get started. Father in heaven, you know where our hearts are this evening. You know that uh, so many of us come to a time like this, tired, distracted, busy, stressed out, anxious, sick. Please help us to attend to your word so that we might have life. Please, Holy Spirit, be working through this word so we might know you more, and love you more, and love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. I told a story, the, uh, the first RUF of the year, about going over this waterfall in a canoe, for those of you who are here at this camp that I worked at. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I went to the same camp, but when I was 10 years old, I was learning how to canoe at this camp, and I got invited to go on a, a canoeing trip on the Green River, the lower section of the Green River, which is kind of an elementary introduction to what it's like to uh, canoe on white water. It's not very hard, it's not very dramatic or exciting, but it's really fun if you're 10 to get to go and do this stuff you've been doing on a lake on a real river. And so we load up in this van and we get our canoes down and and we get going on this river. My partner Alex Pitcairn and I, I will never forget my 11 year old partner in canoeing. Alex (laughs) Pitcairn, love you man. I don't know where you are, he's from Cincinnati. we were, you know, we were doing what 11 year old boys do, like just how many times can we flip over? Can we break the record on this, on this river day? And we're having a pretty good time. And, and what happened, which is what uh, often happens in the mountains of North Carolina and in Virginia for that matter, in the summer, is that these storms can come up kind of all of a sudden. And so as we are uh, going, all of a sudden this, this storm comes up. And it, and it starts because it just gets dark all of a sudden, kind of nighttime dark, only it's only two in the afternoon. And we're about four miles to where we were going to, you know, finish and take out where the van and trailer was waiting for us. And it starts to get dark, and then it starts to get really dark, and then it starts to get really windy, and all of a sudden the, the rain starts, and it gets like to that point where you can't really see. Like, you're in a line of canoes that are not that far apart, and you can barely see the canoe in front of you. And then this huge echo of thunder ripples through the valley. And so our counselors get us, and we paddle to the side, and we get out. And, you know, we're thinking, we'll just wait this thing out. And for some reason they they had told us at the beginning of the day this story about a group of Boy Scouts two weeks before who had been camping in the state forest by the same river and like lightning had struck their campsite and a bunch of them had been injured. So I don't know why, they, why would you tell kids that, but we're scared. We're scared because we hear this story. And uh, we're waiting for this storm to, to get, you know, better and go away. And instead of getting better, it just gets worse and worse. And so we're doing that thing where you, you count how many seconds are between the lightning and the, sorry, between the lightning and the thunder, right? And what we had been told as children is that, it, you know, for each second is a mile, right? But I have recently found out by Googling it that uh, it's actually like each second is a fifth of a mile. So if it's a second away, it's 0.2 miles away. So it's like even scarier than you realize in the moment. And uh, so we're like counting, and the time is getting quicker and quicker. And eventually, it's happening like flash bang, flash bang, flash bang, like instantaneously. And we're seeing the lightning right above us, and it's like being in the middle of a fireworks display. And it's just getting a little scary. And uh, our counselors kind of huddle together, and they realize like this is not a safe situation for for these kids. So one of them, Don Gentle. Uh, gets in his boat and just starts paddling like mad. He's just going to risk the weather and go and get the van, and we're just going to wait. And in order to keep us safe, our counselors instruct us to get into the lightning-safe position, okay? <laughs> Let me tell you about the lightning-safe position. Uh, in the lightning-safe position, you, you, were, you, know, you, have a, you have a personal flotation device. You have a life jacket. You take your life jacket off, and you put it on the ground, and you kind of squat down on top of it with your, with your heels touching. And the idea is that the uh, the foam from the life jacket will provide some insulation against any electrical current that might be like going through the ground. And uh, if you're squatted down like that, then instead of like, if you're staying like this, then the lightning could go up one leg and stop your heart and go, and that's bad, you die, right? So instead, the idea is that if your like feet are together, it can kind of like go in and out and maybe you wouldn't die because it's the lightning safe position. <laughs> and so we're, we're sitting there and it's just, just Fireworks are going off and you can see the lightning. And the climax of this storm is that I'm looking over while I'm kneeling down on my life jacket. You can't touch the ground with your hands because that, so it's it's hard. It's strenuous, right? Um, And about 70 yards away on the other side of the river, we see lightning strike a tree and the tree exploded. Like sparks and flames everywhere and then the tree was in the middle of the rain on fire. And I'm sitting there looking down at this inch and a half of foam between me and the ground and I'm realizing like, this life jacket is not enough to keep me safe if the lightning strike. The tree exploded. And, I, and I'm like imagining myself like, you know, in, in heaven at the gates of St. Peter being like, send me back. I was in the lightning safe position. It's totally fine. And obviously we made it. I, I bring up this story because in, in, in our lives, in, in the storm of the craziness of our lives, what you're in right now and the things that are so busy that you feel like you just got here and you're already behind. In, in the relational moments with other people that are causing you that like cringeworthy tightness in your chest because you don't know how things are going to change and why people are thinking and saying these things about you. As you consider the drama that's happening back home with your family. As you consider the anxiety and the insecurity and the loneliness and all the things that are making you feel stressed out. Like, the question becomes like, what could be enough to keep me afloat in this thing? What could be enough that my story is going to like make it okay here? It seems like the stuff I've got around me, this engine and a half of foam that's like my own pride and gifts is not really going to save me if the lightning strikes, if it gets any worse in the storm than it is right now. And, and the claim of the Bible is that there's just one thing in the craziness of your life that's enough for your story, and that is Jesus. He's the one thing that is enough for you. And so what I want to do... What I want to do this evening is I want to look at how, how we know that Jesus is enough for our story and the craziness of our life, okay? I want to see uh, three things from this passage. First, that the gifts of Jesus are enough for our story, the goodness of Jesus, and the gospel of Jesus. So the gifts, the goodness, and the gospel of Jesus are enough for your story, okay? So I'll start with, with the gifts of Jesus. This is, a, uh, this is a room full of gifted people. Do, 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 do people, in my circles, I maybe mean, this is a generational thing. When you when you talk about someone who just like kind of has it all, like that unicorn W. L. student, like they they have a 4.0, but they don't seem stressed out, and they don't ever look tired, and they like go hard at parties and are like locked in at 8 o'clock the next morning in class, and they have like a cute boyfriend. Like you know what I'm talking about? This like perfect person, and you just think, man, that's like a gift. that person is just like so gifted. They're so good at everything. Like we want to be. We want to be gifted. We want to be able to handle things in our life. And uh, frankly, we'd like to look good doing it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we, we, want, we want this kind of thing, and whether it's, whether it's an exam or office hours conversation with a professor or a conversation with a member of the opposite gender at a party or a date, like whatever it is, we want to know. Like, we want to be the kind of people that can handle stuff, right? That know what to do, that can handle life situations with grace. And and I find it interesting that Paul starts this section, which is just to remind you of prayer. He's been praying so far in Colossians 1. But he starts this section of his uh, prayer, praying that these people would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God. And then he says this phrase, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And and what we're getting from this is that the, the gifts of Jesus, the thing that he gives us that makes him enough for our story, is spirit is called spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay, I want, let me explain to you what spiritual wisdom and understanding is. Okay, understanding is being able to look at what's going on clearly and understand what really is happening. It's those clear eyes to discern like what's really happening here. What's really happening in this like conversation? What's really happening with this friend who's hurting? What's really happening with the stress that I'm like what like I have eyes to see. That's understanding. And then wisdom is, and I know what to do about it. I know how to handle it, and I'm going to handle it. That's, that's understanding and wisdom, being able to see clearly what's going on and being able to handle it. And the claim of, of this section in Colossians 1 is that that is what you get when you are filled with the knowledge of the will of God. When you hear will of God, you shouldn't think like rules of God. You shouldn't think laws of God. You should think heart of God because the will of God refers to God himself. His will is just the revelation of himself, of his own heart. So if you want to be gifted, if you want to have clear eyes to see what's going on, if you want to have wisdom, if you want to know how to handle it, the way to do that is to know God. That's the secret. That's the method. That is the technique. We we spend our lives investing in things that we think will make us gifted enough to handle life. You know what I'm talking about? Like this is how we think about our GPA, This is how we think about our summer internship. This is how we think about our body and our appearance. This is how we think about our athletic skills. This is how we think about how people perceive us at a party. This is how we think about our relationships. These are these different modes that we invest in so that they'll make us able to handle things in life. God's word says those things will not give you the clear eyes you need. That will not give you the wisdom you need to understand what to do. It actually comes from knowing God. And the way that we know God is the, the lowest hanging fruit, the, the least mysterious thing about being a Christian, even though it's one of the most challenging things about being a Christian. The way we know him is in his word. It's in this, it's in this book. Now, I, I, I don't know. I, I doubt everyone here who comes to RF is a Christian, but my guess is that most of you have, have a Bible. And some of you uh, are reading it every day and some of you are like trying to read it and wish you read it more. And some of you haven't thought about reading it in a long, long time. But the way that Jesus becomes enough for you in your story, the way that you get gifted from him to handle things is actually by getting to know him in the Bible. So this is my first challenge to you this evening is uh, find a friend and do a little 30-day Bible challenge. See what happens if you read your Bible every day for a month. One of the reasons it's hard to do this is because reading reading your Bible one time, one day, will not change your life. It won't do it. Reading your Bible every day for ten years will radically change your life. Drops in the bucket, drops in the bucket, and all of a sudden your bucket is overflowing with peace and joy. But it takes that consistency. So find a friend, do a 30-day challenge. That's my first challenge to you, okay? The gifts of Jesus are enough for our story because He's the one who helps us to see clearly and to know how to handle the things in our lives. Secondly, the goodness of Jesus is enough for our story. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to date myself here a little bit, but there's a, an old movie that came out in the 80s called Conan the Barbarian. Anybody seen Conan the Barbarian? A couple people are willing to admit it. I appreciate that. This is a, an early Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. This is definitely pre-Terminator and certainly pre-Jingle like Jingle all the way, some of his, you know, my opinion, finest work. And uh, Conan, this is like, he's not really an actor yet. He can barely speak, very, he doesn't speak very good English, but he's like still professionally bodybuilding. And so like his muscles are just like bulging out of him in every, I mean, it's just, he looks ridiculous. And uh, in, in the movie, he's, he spends most of the movie as a slave. And um, because he's so, you know, diesel, he is uh, used by his master as like a gladiator. Like he fights against other slaves and his master makes money off of it, Right. And um, there's this scene where Conan has just, like, dominated some shrimpy little slave and just so easily. And uh, his, his master and a couple other masters of these gladiators are sitting around talking about this question. And the question is, what is best in life? What is best in life? And they're kind of throwing out different answers. And finally, the, 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 the guy who owns Conan asks Conan, he says, Conan, what is best in life? And Kona's just sitting there, you know, stoically. He says, "To destroy our enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of their women. Let's pray. No. <laughs> no. Just one man's opinion. It's just one man's opinion. I don't endorse it, okay? Um, but, but it's actually a really important question. And I actually hope that sometime this week you sit around with your friends and ask yourselves this kind of question, what is best... What is best in life? Because it's, it's really important for us to be able to answer the question like, how do we define what is good? How do we define what is good? How do we define what the best thing is? If we're to rank all the things in our life, like what goes at the top? I mean, I think for a lot of us, we're tempted to put things like success at the top, academic success, kind of vocational job success, you know, growing... Uh, Growing financial success, the, the increase of kind of influence and power and position, those sorts of things. Uh, we might think of something like popularity. Like, you know, popularity is kind of a, a weird word. It's not even a cool word to talk about, but the pull of having other people think you are great is one of the more powerful things that you can experience. And when you have a taste of it, you want a little bit more. And if you don't have it, you really want it. You know what I'm talking about? I know you do. Okay. Some of us, it's something like popularity. Sometimes, for some of us, it's like the the chasing after these epic experiences. And whether it's like, you know, a sunset hike or a fly fishing or a trip to the Caribbean or whatever, like we want this epic experience. We're sort of like quasi chasing it every time we go out to a party, like we think we're going to have some like epic experience because we think that's going to make us enough, right? Maybe it's like freedom from just the anxiety that you feel like you can't get break free from, and that would be the best thing you could happen for you, is just some freedom from the anxiety. Maybe it's to change your relationship status, like from it's complicated to like it's official with the right kind of person. Maybe it's to have some kind of sexual exploit that you think would like validate your existence. So I, whatever it might be, we have these things that we're investing in These things that we consider to be the best in life. And the scary thing is, is that when we get them, when we get that big four consulting job, when we get into UVA Law School, when we get into that New York banking internship, we keep needing something else, keep needing the next thing. It ends up it's not the best. The next thing is always best. And what we see here, and this is right in in verse 12, is that Paul lays out for us exactly what the best thing is. Exactly what the highest good is and the and the way that he talks about it is to be counted as the sons and daughters of God so that we could be included in what he says here is the inheritance of the saints in light. I actually talked about this last week. And it's one of the themes that comes up a lot in Colossians, so we're going to hit it a couple different times. What what Paul says is the best thing in life is actually the hope of eternity that is offered to those who are Christ's children. It's actually the hope of heaven. It's actually this thing that we are waiting for now, that we don't even have now, that is the best thing now. And, and if you're a Christian, the idea here is that this hope of heaven, this inheritance in the saints, this, this thing that is not yet for you but that is promised to you, actually radically shapes your day-to-day experience as a human being, as a man or a woman. And, and here's, what it, here's what it says it gives us. It says it gives us endurance and patience with joy. This hope that because God loves us, he sent his son Jesus to die and to live again to ensure this inheritance in the life for us. What this gives us right now and today is endurance and patience with joy. That sounds pretty good to me. Like wouldn't you want your attitude to be marked by endurance and patience with joy? Wouldn't want your emotional state to be marked by endurance and patience with joy. Wouldn't want your mental health to be marked by endurance and patience with joy. I don't think that's how we would usually define like, hey, how's it going? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I got endurance and patience with joy. It's like I'm crushing it this week. (laughs) I am not stressed out at all. There's a lot going on. It's affecting me none. How are you doing? Like I've never heard anybody say that, right? I've never said that myself. That's That's not how it works. The the hope of heaven, the hope of eternity actually should shape these things in us. And here's what this would mean. This means that you could have a bad day. This means that you could fail an exam. This means you could get rejected by the fraternity or sorority that you want to be a part of. This means the boy that you like could ignore you. This means you could make a big mistake that you would regret for a long time, and it doesn't crush you. It doesn't destroy you. It doesn't own you, it doesn't define you. That's what that would mean. And too often those sorts of things are what actually determine and describe our mental state, our attitude, our emotions. Instead of this hope of heaven that leads to endurance and patience with joy. Now one of the questions that comes up as Christians talk about like the joy that we have because we know God is this question of, well, does that mean Christians like never should get upset? Does that mean if you have enough faith you would never feel sad? You would never feel frustrated. You would never feel disappointed. You would never have any doubts. You would never have any anger. Uh, And thankfully, the answer is no to that. And there's there's a lot of expressions of uh, brutally honest emotions in the Bible. If if you're not sure about this, read through the Psalms. They're filled with emotions that are, frankly, much more raw than we are capable of communicating most of the time. I think that's why God gives them to us. But also, all we got to do is look at Jesus, who's like overturning tables and whipping people out of the temple because they're desecrating the house of his father who's weeping over the death of his friend like jesus the perfect sinless man felt things and he felt them deeply he actually felt them much more deeper than we do and i think christianity actually is the way of life that actually enables us to be the most honest about the hard things in our lives but here's i want you to consider okay i want you to imagine uh that you and your heart and mind are the planet earth are you with me okay? And I'm not a scientist here, so geology, hook me up if I'm struggling here, okay? You've got the earth, and at the center of the earth is the molten core, okay? At the center of the earth is this, you know, hot liquid lava magma. What's it called on the inside? The inner core. The inner core. <laughs> it's called the inner core. William is my geology consultant. and um, Okay, so here's, so here's why I'm talking about this, okay? Because on the outside, on the surface of the planet, there can be a drought, that can lead to a lot of pain and harm. And on the outside of the planet, there can be a flood that causes a lot of damage. On the outside of the planet, there can be a blizzard that's freezing cold. There can be a hurricane that destroys things. And it can't get to the inside. It's not that it doesn't do anything, but it doesn't get to what's on the inside. It doesn't get to what's at the core. And that's what it's like to know Jesus. The things that happen in your life, you'll feel them. And they're real and they will hurt at times. But they cannot get to what's at the center because what's at the center transcends it. It's not dependent on your circumstances. It's held for you in heaven. It's secure. It's untouchable. It's unstoppable. That's the goodness of Jesus, and that's why it's enough for your story, because the circumstances in your life, your trajectory, your plans, your activities, your relationships, you can't control them, and you don't know what's going to happen But Jesus' hope for you cannot be touched. That's why the goodness of Jesus is enough for your story. Lastly tonight, we've got the gifts of Jesus and the goodness of Jesus. Lastly tonight, the gospel of Jesus is enough for your story. And here's where I really want to talk about story. And what do you think about when, I, when you hear the word story? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? My, my fear is that the first thing increasingly that will come to your mind is what is uh, on your own Instagram story or the Instagram story of your friends. Do you know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you have posted something on Instagram today. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, I'm shocked. Raise your hand if you have looked at Instagram today. That's what I thought. <laughs> you just, like, you wait until after you have to post so that you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> but we are constantly putting our eyes on people's stories. And the way, the place that we're doing that more and more is places like, like Instagram. Can you guys handle, like, a two-and-a-half-minute rant about Instagram? Here's my two-and-a-half-minute rant about Instagram, okay? Uh, because Insta- Instagram is dramatically changing the way we think about and tell our stories. It's, it's dramatically changing the way that we think about and tell the story of who we are, okay? Here's, here's what you do on Instagram, okay? You get a picture of your life, of a moment, and you, and you put it out there for other people to comment on and affirm. And the way that people can interact with your story is that they can either give you a... Heart, which means oh, or cool, or wow, or sweet. Like, it means these things, right? Or they can, or they can comment on it. So cute tonight. I can't stand it. <laughs> right? And the things that we post are, the things that we post are kind of hilarious. Uh, we we tend to we tend to post and we tend to like these uh, moments of our stories. And usually it's not like or like some people post everything. Like here's me brushing my teeth. Here's my bagel. Like, everything, right? <laughs> but, but most of us don't do that. Most, most of the posts for our stories are things like, here's the concert that I went to. Here's the sunrise that I watched on the Blue Ridge Parkway or sunset, depending on your direction, okay? Here's the amazing friend whose birthday it is who I love, right? Here, like, here's this cool trip I went on. Usually, we're not posting things like, here's my organic chemistry book the thing that you're spending, like, more of your life actually dealing with, right? We we, we post these these things that we are trained. This is what's the problem with Instagram is it trains you to project things of your story that you know other people will like. And so instead of trying to portray your true story, you're portraying a version of your story that you know, that you can calculate, people will like. I remember the first time I walked up to to a group of college students in my first year here and they were huddled around a phone and I was trying to figure out, like, what was going on and they were uh, debating the best caption for a picture. And someone was like taking hints and input from like the other people in the circle because it had to be awesome because if I get less than 40 likes, I'm going to lose it. You know what I'm saying? Like I've got to get 150 and, you know, apparently like you you can now just buy likes. You can just buy them. I mean, that's crazy. Okay, this is the end of my rant. My rant's done, okay? (laughs) But what this does is it creates this anxiety to maintain a version of our story that keeps getting awesomer and awesomer all the time. And, and the problem is that eventually we run out of awesome things. Maybe this is why you didn't post today. is because nothing awesome happened to you. So it's like nothing worthy of an epic story, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Okay, I understand. Here's what the gospel of Jesus is. The gospel of Jesus is the one true story. And if you belong to Jesus, then he invites you into his story. And his story becomes your story. And his story is the most beautiful, beautiful, most epic, most meaningful, most momentous, most amazing story that's ever been told. And Jesus says, that's your story now. That's your life now. That's your purpose now. That's your security now. That's your belovedness now. And instead of building our purpose and our sense of worth on how many people like our story, we get to build it on the sense that comes from the king and creator of the universe saying, you are mine. And I accept you. And I love you. And I love that you're a part of my story. And his story is the only story that can do that. That's what the gospel is. It's the story of the love of the Father through the Son for you that if you follow Jesus, becomes your story. And it frees you from the anxiety and the urgency to make your own story good enough in the eyes of other people. It actually frees you from that. And here's how Paul, uh, here's how he summarizes your story, okay? He says it in verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's saying, don't forget what your real story is. Your story is that you were lost and now you're found. Your story is that you were in darkness and now you're in light. Your story is that you were dead and now you're alive with Christ. That's your story. The challenge of this, it comes from the idea that your story actually does really matter. Your story, the story of you and your life is actually the thing that gives you (coughs) purpose. It actually is the thing that gives you meaning. It actually is the thing that gives you worth. And so if you are hoping that how many likes you get on Instagram is enough to build that up, you're in trouble. And if you were hoping that just keeping on succeeding and winning at everything you do and that that will be enough for your story, you are in trouble because, yes, even Washington and Lee students and alumni fail, fall, stumble, struggle, hurt. You know this because it's already happening to you, right? There's actually only one story that's enough for you. And out of the goodness and love of his heart, God says, my story is for you. It's an all-inclusive story. If you follow me, it becomes your story. I, I want to suggest, as I close here, just, just three things by, by way of application, okay? Three ideas for you. I've already suggested that you try to read your Bible every day for 30 days, okay? Um, the the first thing is this. The, the way that Paul starts this section, he says, So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. We have not ceased to pray for you. This is where he's talking about being filled with the knowledge of the will of God, and spiritual wisdom and understanding. Uh That doesn't just like happen if we hope it will happen. We actually need to pray that God would do that in us and in our friends. And so my first encouragement to you, my first challenge to you is to spend time this week praying for yourself and for your friends, for this community. That these gifts of God will become more and more real in us. That we would more and more embody this knowledge, this wisdom, this clear eyes and ability to know how to handle things in our lives. Which means really what we're praying is that we would know God more. Okay, so keep praying. You have to keep praying. Here's, here's the second thing. I, I want you to actually do this, and you can do this with, like, by yourself with a journal, or you can do yourself this with some friends. Ask, ask yourself, though, what's the best thing in life? What is best in life? Ask yourselves. Try to answer that question honestly. How does the world around you define the answer to what is best in life? And in what ways are you tempted to buy into that? This worldly version of what success and achievement might look like. In what ways are you buying into that and living out of that answer? Instead of that the best thing in life, the actual, the thing that will give you the endurance and patience with joy is actually the hope of the inheritance of Jesus, of eternal life. Okay, here's the last thing. Stay off of Instagram for a whole week. Who thinks they can do it? We can do it. Stay off for a whole week. OK? Here's why. Here's my challenge, OK? Except for next Tuesday so you know about RUF, OK? Because we, we, we do post on there. I am also going to do this, OK? I promise. Stay off Instagram for a whole week, OK? There's two full reasons. One, uh, my guess is that this will be surprisingly difficult. Because our instinct is to tune into that version of people's stories all the time and that version of our own story all the time. That's actually our instinct. And I want us to remember that our story is not wrapped up in how many other people hit a like icon for us. That is not how much you are worth. You are worth much, much more than that. And I want you to remember and to try this practice of remembering that your story is actually wrapped up in the love of God for you, in the redemption and forgiveness of sins that comes through Jesus, okay? So try that this week, okay? That's my, that's my third thing. This, this forces us to, answer this, to, to ask this question Do you think Jesus is enough for your story, or do you think that you are enough for your story? Do you really think that you are enough? The claim of the Bible is that uh, it's kind of bad news, good news. It's that, no, you're not enough, but that Jesus is enough, and he loves you, and he invites you into his own story of love. Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of this day. And we do praise you, Jesus, that you are the only one who is enough. And I pray that you'd forgive us for the places where we are living and acting and believing that we are enough for our own stories, that we are enough for each other even. Lord, give us this clear eyes of spiritual understanding. Give us this sense of understanding how to act in life by knowing you more. And I pray that we would experience the joy that comes from our hope, and that more and more we would live out of our true story, which is your story of love in the gospel. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.